we're going to conduct this professionally or we're not going to have an interview. You make the decision. What did you think about the fight? What you, I beat him. Everybody out there know I beat him. Everybody out there know I beat him. I controlled the fight. He was missing. I hit him clean more times. I beat him. You averaged eight punches. Less than eight punches was the most punches that you had in the round, and it seemed as though you couldn't get it close enough. Like, it already sounded like you was against me. So I already ain't, I already, I already ain't got a fair fact. shake talking to you. But let me talk something. Let me let y'all know. I want to thank the whole hood who came out here. I love y'all. I did this for the hood. Y'all know I beat that boy. Y'all know I beat that boy. They trying to, what they trying to do is they trying to get that money again with Pacquiao and um, Floyd. But it's cool. I ain't worrying about it. Man, I'm on top. Cincinnati, stand up. West side. Two, five. You're three, three, and one in your last seven fights. What will you do next? Hey, I'm three, three, and one in my last seven, but I'll be seven, no against you. Well, that wouldn't mean much. That's the end of this interview. Good luck to you in the future. Wouldn't it be nice to live in a world like Adrian Broner where you can get beat twice in one evening, once by Pacquiao, once by the announcer in that post-game interview, and you still feel like you're a champion. That was from Saturday night. This is Tuesday afternoon, and this is the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Over the next hour, we're going to brainstorm. We're going to put on our thinking caps, and we are going to solve the NFL's problems for them. Everything from overtime to reviewing pass interference. We're going to make sure that great games like we had on Sunday are never marred again by officiating gaffes or things we can avoid. We're also going to take a look at was this the worst matchup that the NFL could have wanted for the Super Bowl? Is there any validity to the Carson Wentz locker room rumors? And was the best NFL head coaching candidate someone that wasn't even interviewed? We're tackling all that in the next hour here in the Sports Pen, but first I want to introduce my guest. Join us on the ESPN-UP phone line from Storm Lake, Iowa, is Chris Bachman, Sports Director at KYL, KKIA Radio. Chris is a friend and mentor. I can safely say I owe my career to him, everything that's happened. <laughs> About eight years ago to the day, I went on air for the first time, and that was when Chris brought me on for a high school basketball doubleheader back in Iowa in January of 2011. I interned with Chris throughout high school. He hired me part-time doing some sports cast for my four years of college. We've stayed in touch, and we've continued to grow closer, and it's been really fun being able to see where we both gone here since we've got to know each other. So, Chris... This is a pleasure, man. It's a real treat to be able to see how far we've come and to yeah. have you on air with me today. Well, Tanner, thanks a lot, and uh, appreciate the kind words right there. I'm still here in Lakes Conference, Storm Lake, Iowa basketball tonight. Well, you keep that ladder moving up to the UP. <laughs> Super happy for you. I know things are going well. Wish I could have bumped into you. Uh, a little longer than our brief face-to-face -face visit over the Christmas holiday. But we can make up for it here on air with you during your show today, and I'm looking forward to it. And I should say, eight years, where is time gone? I wish you were here tonight because I have a terrific matchup of high school basketball. Your high school alma mater, Storm Lake, at Cherokee. First meeting in the boys' game, 101-87 Storm Lake win. And then there was a big brouhaha and some allegations about a halftime locker room incident. High school basketball going crazy here tonight in northwest Iowa. I'm looking forward to it. Our weather's cooperating, too. We don't have all that snow that you've received. So we're going to get the games in tonight, and it should be a lot of fun. But even more fun for me to be on air with you here this afternoon. Really appreciate it. 
Yeah, the weather sounded a little underwhelming compared to how hyped up it was from what I was seeing on social media, Facebook, Twitter, what have you. But I'm glad to see you guys are getting games in and the Storm Lake-Cherokee rivalry. It's hot as ever. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. And uh, I'm sure the folks have all their rivalries up in your neck of the woods, too, with the high school and collegiate atmosphere. I mean, that's what makes sports great. And uh, that's why I'm working in the position I am. I haven't worked a day in my life, and I'm glad you have chosen this field. I know you got a bright future, and, and we're looking forward to a lot of talking sports here, not only today, this hour, but in our future as well. Well, you betcha. We take a look at what happened on Sunday. Chris, the playoffs to me felt really underwhelming compared to what I was expecting until Championship Sunday. We had two great games, but they're both overshadowed by things that probably were fixable. One of them being a missed pass interference call toward the end of the NFC Championship game, and then the other being the overtime rules. You look at the NFC Championship game, Nikel Roby Coleman, everybody and their mother watching that thought, this is not only going to be pass interference, but this could be helmet to helmet as well. It ends up going as a no call. Everyone knows the story. It, in a way, costs the Saints a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Now, I'm wondering, one of my listeners brought this up with me the other day. College has a system where no matter what's called on the field, video replay can show that if there's a helmet to helmet hit or somebody sees that upstairs, then they relay that down to the officials and that's immediately reviewed. And that could end up being a penalty of its own. Why doesn't the NFL have that? And should the NFL adopt that? Well, your listener's a smart person because that should be handed down. As you say, there's someone in the so-called review booth up above that sees what everyone else saw at the ending of that game. That should have been overturned because how that would have changed the outcome of that game, well, we'll never know. But you think about the two officials on the sideline, my question is, is when you get together with them and the league does and, and the rules committee will be, meet, be meeting in the offseason, we have to ask that official, why did you not throw the flag? What did you not see that everyone else is seeing right there? So how the National Football League will handle this in the offseason is going to be real interesting based on that. And then, if you think about all the plays in the Chiefs-Patriots game, how many reviewable plays they had, especially in the second half, the fourth quarter crunch time, the Edelman, which I don't think he touched the football on that botched punt return, which wasn't botched because the official review said he did not touch the football. But think about all of those plays that were so reviewable and the outcome that it had on those two outstanding football games. It's unfortunate that we're talking about this and New Orleans Saints fans are going to talk about it forever as me as a Minnesota Vikings fan has talked about Drew Pearson pushing off Nate Wright back in 1975 (laughs) when there was no such thing as instant replay or reviewable calls. So it's just unfortunate that those two football games and how great they were, we're going to be discussing what happened with the officials and what we do here in the future down the road. Well, I'm with you. I don't think Edelman touched the ball in the Pats-Chiefs game either. You talked about being a Vikings fan, and Chris is from Jordan, Minnesota, full disclosure. He grew up a Vikings fan, still is. Um, I'm sure it didn't hurt your feelings too much to see Sean Payton lose an NFC Championship game in that kind of a manner when you think back to 2009, huh? 
Not whatsoever. I'm not a big Sean Payton fan. Bounty Gate still burns my hide to this date. And I will bring up, when you're t- and maybe we'll hold on to when we talk about overtime and how that's going to play out, But and maybe I should just start right there because in the 2009 NFC Championship game, New Orleans received the kickoff, won the coin toss, they get a game-winning field goal. After that game is when the NFL changed their overtime format so that each team would have an opportunity to touch the football unless the first team scores a touchdown. So it was after that 2009 Saints win over the Vikings that they adopted a little rule change. So will that happen again after Tom Brady drives the Patriots to the end zone and they get the win and advance to the Super Bowl again? Will the NFL try and change things so that each team is guaranteed to touch the football offensively in overtime in such a big, big game? I don't know. I guess, again, this offseason will be a lot of fun to see how things play out. And Sean Payton being on the rules committee, so I'm mm-hmm. sure he'll have a lot to say. I'll say this. I don't feel terrible for Sean Payton after his past, some of his history with uh, maybe mocking some players and some fans. But no matter how that game ended and that pass interference call, because if that would have happened on the streets, then Mikhail Roby Coleman's probably getting 30 days in jail. <laughs> but no matter how that plays out, the Saints had a 13 nothing lead at yeah. home with a Hall of yeah. Fame quarterback, and Todd Gurley was a non-factor in that game. Probably shouldn't have come down to that anyway. But right. you, you, you yep. brought up the overtime, and 49% of my listeners, according to a survey, said they would like to see the overtime rules get changed to the college format in the NFL. And about 80% said they want to see a change from the current format. Now, I get that. There's some backlash specifically because it was the Patriots who benefited, and the Patriots are largely unlikable in some ways. But this is nothing new. This is something that, whether the Chiefs had won yesterday, I think people want to see this overtime rule change because you want to have that kind of action. You want to have Mahomes and Brady going up and down the field. The NFL wants that. They want all kinds of action and offense, and those are the two guys that are going to give it to you. I just don't like the fact that no matter who benefits from it, that one team in that big of a game is going to the Super Bowl because they won a coin toss. Could not agree more. I mean, it's a coin toss. And Patrick Mahomes, the most exciting player that NFL football fans have seen in some time. What a season. I mean, 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards, and the kids sat on the bench and watched what happened in overtime. And think about it, 38 points scored in the fourth quarter. Wouldn't we want to see some more of that in the overtime, if possible, if Mahomes in Kansas City would have had their crack at it? Because easy to say, hindsight's twenty twenty. I got to believe Kansas City was going to move that football right down the field and have a chance at a touchdown, too, if they would have won that coin toss. Well, I want to ask you this, because Joe Thomas was on Golick and Wingo this morning. He talked about what he thought should be done for the overtime, and this is kind of a two-part question. Would you like to see the NFL adopt college overtime rules or even add another quarter, whether it be 10 or 15 minutes? And then what Joe Thomas brought up is, would you like to see two different overtime formats for the regular season compared to the postseason, kind of like the NHL does? Well, I would want to see the same one myself. I wouldn't want to have anything different in the playoffs than what we would have in the regular season. College football, overtime, 
I mean, yes, start at the 25-yard line. Each team gets the ball. You want to play defense first. But, I mean, think about NFL football kickers. I mean, most of those guys, and I say most because Mr. Carlson for the Vikings against <laughs> Green Bay early in the season lost his job. We know what happened to Cody Parkey. And, oh, by the way, how well he handled himself after that kick. But National Football League kickers should be able to boot what could be a 40-yard field goal, you know, in, in their, you know, with a handkerchief around their eyes with the old blindfold on. Don't get the birdcage thing brewing right here. But, I mean, so I don't know if college overtime rules would uh, be the best. Nothing against that. But I do like maybe a full quarter. I mean, you would think even though the Patriots and even the Saints, for that matter, have sometimes had 10-minute-plus drives, 8-plus-minute drives, the other team is going to get a crack at it if you go a full 15 minutes. So I would not rule that out, but I would want to have what's in the regular season be the same as the postseason. Chris Bachman, sports director at KYL, KKI Radio, and Storm Lake on the sports pen with us. We're up against a break, our first time out coming at you. When we come back, was this the Super Bowl matchup the NFL wanted the least of the four options? That's next in the sports pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Chris Bachman with you. Thanks for hanging out with us on your Tuesday afternoon. Was this the Super Bowl matchup that the NFL wanted the least of the four options that they could have had? I did a personal poll on my Twitter, Chris, and I wanted to see who everyone thought was going to be winning. And far and away, the least popular answer was the one we got, was the Patriots playing the Rams. I don't know that I had personally a favorite outside of I wanted Chiefs and Rams volume two only because I loved how good of a game it was on Monday Night Football. That's why I wanted that. Other than that, I didn't have any skin in the game. I just wanted some good games. But you think about it from the NFL's perspective. Tom Brady's a guy that... He's a household name, but he's been there so much. I don't know if that helps or hurts the NFL, if they're excited about that or not. I know there's a bit of a strained relationship there with Brady and Goodell between Deflategate and what have you. And then on the other side with like Jared Goff and guys like that, you have a guy that, you know, he's a good quarterback, but a lot of the viewers of the Super Bowl are going to be people who don't follow the NFL on a regular basis, and I'm not sure a lot of them are going to know who Jared Goff is. I don't know if it'll make a difference in the ratings, whether you have a guy like Goff in there instead of Patrick Mahomes or Drew Brees. I just got to figure that the NFL was hoping for a matchup kind of like with some recognizable names and guys are going to put up big-time numbers. I can't disagree once again with your assessment right there, Tanner. Myself, I was cheering for the Rams and the Patriots, and I know here in the Midwest, I might have been the only one that was cheering for New England. And I'll tell you why. Because I respect so much of what the New England Patriots have done in their dynasty run. In the National Football League, where they build their system so no one can have a dynasty. Whether it's where you fit in the draft, where you have the salary cap. Bill Belichick, if you don't fit his system, you're gone. If you don't follow the rules, you're gone. If you turn the ball over, you're gone. So I admire the New England Patriots. Did the National Football League want the Patriots in the Super Bowl? I have to say yes because of Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Rob Gronkowski. But if you ask those fans, NFL football fans, who maybe aren't the 
avid fan, can they name three New England Patriots other than maybe Tom Brady? I think they'd have a tough time doing that. As far as the NFC Saints Rams, how about Jared Goff? I think he's the what third youngest quarterback to play in a Super Bowl, number one draft pick in his third season. He's in a Super Bowl here of any number one draft pick, quickest to get there. Um, I, you know, Drew Brees again respect him and what he's done and and uh, obstacles he has overcome. I, the NFL, I think they would like to see New England in there again. Some people, you know, what's sad going back to our first segment, Tanner, is I. When that game was happening between the Rams and the Saints, I had people texting me saying, the NFL is rigged, rigged, mm. the fix is on. And, and that disappoints me because the NFL, in my opinion, no, it's not rigged. But yet people are saying, why didn't you throw the flag? It's rigged. So I think that's the last thing the NFL wanted was to have that black eye right there. But getting back to your question, as I ramble on a little bit, Patriots and the L.A. Rams, Well, the Rams, maybe not so much, but I think the NFL is happy, my opinion, that the Patriots and Tom Brady are in there. Well, there's a lot of debate regarding whether Tom Brady's the greatest all the time. Should there be? I don't know, but there's a lot of Packers fans in our listening area, so there's some debate. I don't think there's any debate whether Bill Belichick is the greatest of all time, and I want to go a little bit onto a sidebar here because I had something that I brought up on my show, and none of my guests have really been able to give me a clear answer Belichick and what he's been able to do, he's about the only coach whose system can survive time. He's run the same system for almost two decades. He can coach every position. I don't know another coach who can do that. Maybe Tony Dungy came the closest to doing it. Andy Reid is a special coach because he's the opposite in the sense that he evolves. His scheme evolves over time. He changes as the NFL changes. Andy Reid is eighth all-time in NFL head coaching wins, but he doesn't have that Super Bowl ring. He's right next to Marty Schottenheimer on the all-time list for NFL head coaching wins, and Marty doesn't have a Super Bowl ring either. He's not in the Hall of Fame. John Madden doesn't have too many wins more than those two. He only has one ring, and yet he's considered by many one of the greatest coaches of all time. Do you think Andy Reid's a Hall of Fame coach, or does he need at least one Super Bowl ring to get his name in Canton? Does not need a ring. Hall of Famer all the way. Class act guy, not to mention what he can do coaching young men in the National Football League. He's a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. The guy, he has had some bad luck when it comes to the playoffs. I mean, his team's, you know, what he's done in Kansas City in the regular season, and then the playoffs arrive. Uh, the Colts game that they had, what, five years ago, that was horrible for him. And what he did in Philadelphia, you know, with Donovan McNabb and so forth, uh, I don't think he needs a Super Bowl. I really don't. You look at him, and he's. I hope he's having fun coaching, and I hope he continues. He sure has a good thing brewing right now in Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes, MVP? I don't know how he can't be. Yeah. I mean, I mean the numbers he put up this season – how can you put anyone in that position to hold that MVP trophy other than that kid? So as we get ready for Super Bowl Sunday, of course, Pro Bowl this weekend. I don't know. Might turn it on. But <laughs> you look at Super Bowl Sunday and the Patriots open as two-point favorites over the Rams. I think Tom Brady's going to win his sixth ring. You know, it's nothing against Sean McVay or the Rams and what they have going on. They've got a great system and everything. But now more than ever even when they were showing cracks in the armor in the regular season, 
Belichick and Brady have shown how different they are from the regular season compared to the playoffs. I just don't want to bet against them in the postseason, especially while they're on the run they're on right now. I certainly wouldn't. And in the mythical world of gambling, I'd be putting all the money I have on the New England Patriots, giving up two points. Bill Belichick versus McVay, advantage Belichick. Tom Brady experience over Goff, no doubt about it. The defense, the scheming, the offensive line for the Patriots. I mean, think about it. Brady has not been sacked in two playoff games against two teams with great pass rushing, the Chiefs and the Chargers the week before. So I like New England a lot. And think about it. They're 5-3 and three in their eight Super Bowls, Belichick and Brady. You could say they maybe uh, got lucky against Seattle with Russell Wilson throwing with Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. But then again, you can think about uh, the New York Giant helmet catch, the mm-hmm. Mario Manningham catch on the sideline that uh, basically beat them in two Super Bowls on two outstanding catches in separate games. I mean, this is a, a dynasty, and you give Belichick two weeks to prepare. I gotta like New England to win Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. Here, I'll throw a little trivia at you. I'll throw a stat of the day at you. The Super Bowl will be the seventh time ever in NFL playoff history that a head coach is younger than the opposing quarterback. And it will be the first time in the Super Bowl Sean McVay will be the coach involved in three of those seven games. By the way, McVay, one of only two coaches to ever win such a game. The other was Mike Tomlin back in 08 when he took down Kurt Warner. So a little bit of history, a small sample size is on McVay's side. Yeah, digging up some nuggets right there that I'm not aware of. I can't wait to hear about those other two games McVay was involved in, so maybe I'll wait for that on the back burner when we got time to spend a little time together and maybe over a cold one sometime. Hey, let's do it. i got to find time to get back to Iowa or whenever you're able to visit the great up north up here, the UP and all its snow-covered goodness. You know, and it's all good, too, and You and I, I can't wait to talk a little NHL and NBA All-Star games. And you were talking about maybe, maybe just flipping on that NFL Pro Bowl game, which, I mean, seriously, that that is, uh, you're turning it on just because you're a sports fan to see maybe what the score is and maybe if your favorite player is in that game. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'll give you something else. How about turning on the TV Sunday and watching Tiger Woods' PGA Tour out at Torrey Pines I can't wait to see 2019 and how Tiger tees it up this year. That's what I'll be watching, my friend. Big-time golfer, Chris, is. You looking forward to uh, who's, uh, who's favoring the PGA this year? Oh, you got it. I mean, there's so many big names. I mean, when you're a golfer and you think PGA, it is so competitive right now. Dustin Johnson, I love saying Tiger Woods. Phil Mickelson in the running again last weekend at his age playing great golf, but all these young guys that are so good and they bomb it off the tee. I wish I could hit it half as far as these guys. <laughs> Thomas, and you name all the guys on the PGA. When, when you had the Ryder Cup last year, I mean, that competition is so good, and it's so tough to win on the PGA Tour. Uh, you know, 20 years ago, Tiger dominating. Maybe he lost to some of that mystique, but uh, I'm anxious to see how 2019 treats him after he picked up that big win late last year. Yeah, big momentum shift going into the new season, and then Patrick Harrington can never count him out. He's named Team Europe's captain for the Ryder Cup, which is coming up, which you don't have to be a golf fan to get up for. I mean, that's a lot of fun when you've got the best of America going up against the best of Europe on the green. 
Yeah, not too long ago, uh, Hazeltine, the site for some of that fun, two years ago up in Chanhassen, Minnesota. And, I mean, those guys get into it. Sometimes I think it's too much, but, man, they, they are uh, representing their country, and they want to play great, and it's always a good competition. Chris Bachman, sports director at KYL, KKI Radio at Stormlike, Iowa, on headset with us. We're up against our next timeout. We'll come back. Was the best NFL head coaching candidate not even interviewed? Next in the Sports Panel on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Danner Hoops, Chris Bachman hanging out with you. Here is your Sports Center update. Soccer star Cristiano Ronaldo, originally sentenced to spend two years in jail for committing tax fraud, had his sentence reduced to a $4.1 million fine with no jail time, a Spanish court ruled earlier today. Former Dallas Cowboys running back Darren McFadden was arrested in Dallas early this morning. McFadden was driving under the influence, pulled into a Whataburger drive-thru, and fell asleep. And finally, the New Orleans Saints season ticket holders have filed a lawsuit against the NFL in an effort to bring both teams back to the Superdome and replay the ending of the NFC Championship game. That is your Sports Center update. Once again, Tanner Hoops, Chris Bachman on headset with you as we wind down to the 5 o'clock hour here on ESPN-UP. Hey, Tanner, I, I, I love that ending there, the New Orleans Saints. So if they want to finish the game, at what point in time do they restart the game? Yes. <laughs> and what a burger, man. It can't be that good a burger if what a burger you're falling asleep waiting for your order. <laughs> Uh, all the best to Mr. McFadden. I hope he can get things figured out there for the right. Oh, I do too. He was so much fun to watch, especially back at Arkansas. Never really yeah. panned out in the NFL, but that's a tough break for whatever yep. happens there. Yep, that's for sure. So what's our – no, we got to talk about – you've been teasing this now for a while. What – I'm trying to think what NFL coach here isn't getting any love. Yeah, who's not being interviewed was the best candidate for an NFL head coaching job not even interviewed this year. We have two vacant head coaching jobs still out there, Miami and Cincinnati. They both have their guy unofficially. They just can't do anything about it until after their teams are out and their current teams are in the Super Bowl. But I tell you what, I know he's a CBS guy, but Jason Fitz mentioned him on ESPN yesterday, so I feel like it's okay for me. Every single week, I fall more in love with Tony Romo calling a football game. I just love listening to him do a game. His first year, I felt like he's so smart. His delivery isn't great, but that can improve, and he has big time. You can tell how much preparation goes into it, how much excitement and energy that he brings to the table. And he's not only diagnosing plays like you look for out of an analyst, but he is physically looking into the future and telling you what's going on, what's going to happen, and then the play happens. I feel like Tony Romo, as good as he is as an analyst, I feel like Tony Romo could coach in the NFL or even be a coordinator at some role. I'm a little bit surprised, honestly, after what we've seen this year and some of the eye-popping hires maybe that have been out there that Romo wasn't even given an interview this year. Romo trending on Twitter. Yes. Sunday night and all day Monday. I mean, he is the man, and what he's done so far in, in two seasons behind a microphone is amazing because that's not an easy job. It truly isn't. And think about this. as a, Let's say an offensive coordinator. 
Now he's he's sitting up top watching this game with uh, you know his, his play-by-play man, Mr. Nance, and he sees everything that's going on. Just think of what he would be like on headset. If you're an NFL coach, you want this guy on your squad or mm-hmm. your staff, don't you? I mean, helping out your squad to a victory because that was amazing. Some of the calls he was making against the new during the New England Kansas City game, and it's not just that game. It's probably because so many of us were watching, especially in the fourth quarter and overtime. But I watch a lot of football, Tanner, and I hear him all the time. And he he is an excellent broadcaster with a bright future ahead if he chooses to stay in the booth, but I get it. I get what you're saying. I mean, absolutely, coaching, if he truly wanted to, why not? Jason Garrett did it. He's a former Cowboy. Look how he's doing. He's been on that Cowboy sideline, albeit under some pressure year to year, but he's still hanging in there. Well, hey, they have an open coordinator position right now. Scott Linehan was just fired. I feel like there's a lot of Cowboy fans who would not mind having Tony Robo take the place of Jason Garrett right now. And, again, we don't even know – if Tony has interest in doing that, he's got a pretty good gig where he is right now. He'll be calling the Super Bowl here in about a week and a half. Yeah, I heard that too, and I'm glad about that. I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, you think about the Cowboys, you got to think NFC East, and then you hear all this turmoil yesterday from Philadelphia in the locker room on what's going on between Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. Is there a little, mm-hmm. a little rivalry? You had the one Eagles player that had the shrine for Foles in his locker. I mean, you have all this, you have that, you have players sticking up for Carson Wentz. Well, I think, I don't know him personally, but he certainly sounds like an upstanding young man. I have a lot that I want to get to on that here in a little bit, but I want to ask you about Tony Romo because he's gotten into a profession that you and I have both taken, and he brings an excitement and an energy to the game and matches it with so much knowledge that you can only get from being there, from being a player. Right. And I wonder, he mixes it so well, and I'm not sure if there's a comparison in any sport with somebody who who can do it like he can. I mean, Dick Vitale comes to mind, but he's not Dick Vitale. It makes, me, it makes you wonder a little bit, what does an audience care about more? Do they want a guy who's knowledgeable, but maybe his delivery isn't great like Tony was in his rookie year? Or do they want the guy who's going to give that energy and enthusiasm, but you know maybe he's not going to be able to break down plays before they happen like Tony can? You know, how about if I give you this? And I'm an NBA fan, and we'll touch on that maybe in our next segment. How about the good old Dr. Jack Ramsey? I mm. thought as a color man, they did not come any better. Number two on the list in the NBA, Hubie Brown. When yes. you want to talk about knowledge, Dr. Jack and Hubie Brown, what a great, those guys were awesome. And honestly, when it comes to the NBA Finals, I think the play-by-play group they have right now, and Van Gundy is the one that not only has the knowledge, but he has a charisma. He also tells it exactly the way it is and isn't afraid to pack a punch when it comes to his opinion. I think he does an awesome job. You throw in Mark Jackson and the trio that cover the NBA Finals, I don't think get any better. Got Chris Bachman, the KYL KKIA Sports Director at Storm Lake, Iowa. He is on headset with us, breaking down Tony Romo, maybe a potential coaching candidate. For now, he's focused on preparing for the Super Bowl. Chris, when you look around at some of the hires in the NFL this year, obviously there are some that make the eyes pop, that stick out to you really well. Cliff Kingsbury, I think, is the most interesting one for me, but 
tell me how you think about that hiring. I mean, is that something that could pan out for Arizona? You know, is this something where maybe it's a Sean McVay rub-off? I mean, what do you think? Does Kingsbury have that great, of course, college player, no question about it? Does he have the offensive mind? Does he have the McVay ability? Is he young? Do they think he's going to mesh with the locker room? I mean, what is it? I mean, what? I would love to sit in on an interview sometime and listen to the kind of questions that maybe Kings that he was asked. You know, what are they asking him? Where do you see Arizona in the future? What can you do to make us a winner? What can you do to make us a consistent playoff team? How can you handle that? What are you going to do to make us a winning football team? I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Because I, I agree with you. That was a that was a, a call by Arizona who had a really good football coach, I thought, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I did, too. And now he has a new job over in yes, Tampa Bay, and he's got yeah. a great defensive coordinator around him. He's brought in a new coaching staff entirely. But I feel like I'm in the minority when I say that I love the hiring of Cliff Kingsbury if they give him the right pieces around him. And I think he did the right thing going out and getting a guy like Vance Joseph as, a de- as his defensive coordinator. And I give Vance Joseph a ton of credit, was just fired as a head coach, takes a coordinator role for a coach that's much younger than him in his first NFL job. He's a guy that knows defense. I mean, Wade Phillips shows us that you don't have to be a great head coach to be an elite coordinator. And Vance Joseph is someone who can do that, dial up a defense, and you pair him up with a guy who's as smart as Cliff Kingsbury is on offense. Now, I'm not sold on Josh Rosen, and he might be something that could be a project. He could be a guy that Kingsbury can bring along. He has all kinds of success with quarterbacks. But I don't think that Kingsbury has a few years to do that because he's such a unique hire. This general manager hasn't drafted well, Steve Keim. He had the arrest a few years ago, and the front office still doesn't part with him. That tells me that Kingsbury is going to have his head on the chopping block if things go wrong a lot more quickly than anyone in the front office will. So if I'm Kingsbury, I'm pushing to draft Kyler Murray, or I'm drafting my own guy, someone who can step in and win right away, because I don't think they're going to do that with Josh Rosen this year. I think he could do that with Kyler Murray. So... I don't know if Kyler should play football or baseball, but if I'm Kingsbury, that's who I want to take with the number one overall pick. I was just going to say, if Tanner Hoops is the Murray kid, are you taking baseball or football, (laughs) Tanner? Which sport? You're that good. That's a great problem to have. I wish I was about 21, and my biggest problem was, am I going to go make millions playing baseball or football? Where do I take my Heisman Trophy next year? So Yeah, yeah I, I, I get it. And it all starts with the quarterback position, doesn't it, in the NFL? I mean, mm-hmm. they, they get all the glory. Uh, they get the blame sometimes along with the head coach. But you have to have a quality quarterback. But without a quality offensive line, I don't care how good you are, a la Kirk Cousins, who got $84 million guaranteed, mm-hmm. For the Vikings, I mean, if you have a bad offensive line, you will struggle. But, uh, yeah, NFL draft, I mean, what a huge, they make it an event. I mean, that's one great thing the National Football League has done again, the NFL. I think it's on network TV this year, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, the Murray kid's going to be up there, and Mr. Kingsbury better be thinking about him. I would love to see Cliff Kingsbury do it. I'd love to see the offense that they can get from those two. My last point on Kyler Murray is that, Baseball might be the safer option. Long-term, he'll make more money, and he'll have more longevity in his career. But from a purely performance standpoint, 
I think his ceiling is so much higher in football. He's coming into the league where the NFL is at its offensive peak, and he's a young, mobile quarterback. He's more athletic than Drew Brees with similar stature. I think the ceiling's so much higher for him if he decided to go football. I don't know that that's what he should do, but I think he can make a mark that lasts a lot longer in the NFL. Well, look what the Ravens kid did. Yeah. The Ravens quarterback coming in for Flacco. I mean, Lamar's running up a storm. His ability, his agility, his uh, just awareness. Sure, he showed his rookie colors against the Chargers in the playoffs, but wow, if I'm a Baltimore fan, I'm loving life looking to the future, and maybe Murray can do the same. And oh, by the way, what position does Murray play in baseball? He's an outfielder. Okay, I, I was in Denver, and I, I saw the Rockies play Oakland this past summer, and I'm in, I'm in left field, and I'm watching Chris Davis. He has the most awkward throwing motion I have ever seen in my life. But he can hit the baseball and hit home <laughs> runs, and he's making millions. Chris Bachman, sports director at KYL Kickeye Radio in Storm Lake, Iowa, on headset with us. We owe you our last time out. We'll take it now. Coming up, is there any validity to the rumors regarding Carson Wentz in the Eagles locker room? That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Chris Bachman on headset with you. Thanks so much for hanging out with us on your Tuesday afternoon. Just about down to the 5 o'clock hour. And don't forget, we'll have live coverage of the Westwood Patriot girls basketball game Taking on Gwynn this evening, what should be a really good rivalry matchup. Pre-game at 7, tip-off 7.15 on ESPN-UP, online with our app if you're outside of our listening area. Is there any validity to the rumors regarding Carson Wentz in the Eagles locker room? And for those who haven't heard the full story, yesterday, around the time that we were signing off, reports came out saying that several teammates were unhappy with Carson Wentz, that he was the reason that the Eagles were struggling early on in the season. And then once he got hurt, Nick Foles became the quarterback again. Then the Eagles started achieving more success. A few of the words that described Wentz was incredibly hardworking and intelligent, but selfish, uncompromising, and egotistical, lacking in accountability. They said he has favorites, guys like Zach Ertz, who is certainly his favorite target, and a large group of Eagles players, albeit unnamed, decide to side with the backup quarterback, Nick Foles. And then, of course, you have a few Eagles teammates like Lane Johnson and, of course, Zach Ertz that came out and say, this didn't happen. Chris, I don't know what to think about this story. I don't know that we have enough information because everything I know about Carson Wentz up to this point has been positive. He's a great guy from all accounts that I've heard about him. In this day and age, 2019, especially with a weapon like social media, you get unnamed sources and anything could happen. So I don't know if we have enough information. I, there might be something going on in the locker room, but I'm not sure how much Carson Wentz, to be honest, has had to do with it as much as Nick Foles having success does. Agreed. We're not in the locker room, so we don't have the accessibility that the players do. I can't speculate because I'm not in that locker room. But when Nick Foles wins a Super Bowl last year, you're going to win over some teammates. Mm -hmm. you, might, you might win over some teammates that love Carson Wentz. And 
by the way, Zach Ertz was my starting tight end on my fantasy team this year, and I loved it when Wentz was yes. healthy because Ertz was putting up huge numbers, and he did all season long. We know that. But, you know, maybe it's time for management to take over because what will happen in the offseason when you have two outstanding quarterbacks, let's say you get rid of one, what do you get in return? Do you get some great draft picks? Do you get some great players in return? What is the possibility that that will happen, that the Eagles come draft day? They're thinking about that and maybe tying something in. You have two quality quarterbacks. Something not every NFL team can say, as you well know. I mean, look at the Vikings last year. They got rid of all three of their quarterbacks from the previous season, and I hate to continue to bring up the Vikings. You know, we're in the UP. What about what about Mr. Stafford? Who's his backup quarterback? Mm-hmm. I can't answer that. Matt Castle still in Thank the league you. as a journeyman I, I, backup yeah, how quarterback. Can I forget, how can I forget the Castle man? Yeah, and, you know, Stafford, how's he going to bounce back this year? I mean, uh, he, he looked to me like he was struggling a little bit this season. Absolutely. You know, he had a few games, especially I know that one particular play against the Vikings that maybe was the worst of his career. You know, they have a lot of fans up here have that burned in the back of their memory. But you look at what the Eagles could do with their quarterback situation. I'm not sure that Carson Wentz actually did anything. I don't know that he needed to do anything negative to make Nick Foles seem positive because when you have the success that Foles has had with those guys, you're absolutely right. He's going to win over teammates in the locker room. They're going to build that camaraderie that they haven't with Carson Wentz. And Wentz, that's was, that was my biggest complaint with him throughout the year is Zach Ertz was his security blanket. He was about the only guy he targeted. They traded for Golden Tate and really didn't use him until Nick Foles got there because he could distribute the ball better. So, you wonder where the Eagles could go moving forward. Doug Peterson said that Wentz is going to be their guy going forward. You talked about draft picks, and that makes me think that draft picks aren't in the back of their mind because it's a weird situation with Foles where they can't get anything for him unless they franchise tag him, and I know they don't want to do that to, to Nick Foles, but at the same point, it's a business. But then it makes you think, what is Carson Wentz worth? I mean, what would you give up for Carson Wentz, a guy who looks talented when he's healthy, looks like he could be MVP caliber, but he hasn't played a full season in the NFL? I mean, probably half the general managers in football are going to have a problem with that alone. You want to give up a number one pick for Wentz? No. no number no. two? Number three? Absolutely not. And he I was mean, the I'm, number I'm, two. Right, yeah. How far down the line do you go? I don't think he's a top two round equal trade-up kind of guy. You know, but I take him on my team. I mean, you take him over Kirk Cousins right now. <laughs> <laughs> Give Kirk Cousins an offensive line, and I think he's going to be okay. I, really I agree do. with you. I agree with you. But uh, Carson Wentz, I mean, there's some teams that really want a quarterback right now. I yeah. don't know what they'd be willing to give up for him, but Carson Wentz and Nick Foles can play somewhere. This was my theory. I put on my conspiracy theory hat a few weeks ago right after John Filippo was hired as the offensive coordinator down in Jacksonville. That tells me that Tom Coughlin wants to send a message that Blake Bortles' time is over and Leonard Fournette's time is over. Leonard Fournette the next day filed a lawsuit against the Jaguars, so for whatever reason, I think that his time will be over one way or another. But bringing in Filippo tells me that they're going to an air raid attack, and he was... Nick Foles coordinator when they won the Super Bowl. So that tells me 
that Jacksonville is all in on going after Nick Foles this year. But again, Philly can't get anything in return for him by trading him unless they put a franchise tag on him. I mean, I'm sure they wish that was the other way around between them and Wentz. I don't know if DiFilippo would have any interest in going for a guy like Carson Wentz or what Jacksonville would be able to give up in return for him. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I like that hat you're wearing, too. You're making an awful lot of sense, Tanner. Yeah, I appreciate that. I do every once in a while. You know, it makes me think, not to stray away from Wentz and Foles and Wentz moving on to where, but why does the, when you talk about Wentz and Foles and the locker room, why does team chemistry come into my mind, no matter what the sport is? Uh, uh, football, I think, is the ultimate team sport because you have 11 guys that have to perform on every single play. Basketball, yes, five. Baseball, you have a pitcher trying to throw strikes. You have an infield, outfield behind him. But football and the team chemistry that lies within that locker room, a la the Pittsburgh Steelers and the drama, the ongoing soap opera with Big Ben, mm-hmm. Brown, and company, and what Tomlin's got to take care of out in Pittsburgh. Let me ask you this, because you brought up Antonio Brown. Let me speculate on the NFC West for a little bit. I said last week that if the Rams don't win the Super Bowl this year, I'm not sure that they are going to have many chances moving forward to do it. For one thing, that division's going to continue to get better. Seattle could end up being the team to beat by the time it's all said and done next year in that division, depending how free agency goes. San Fran, you got to believe if Jimmy G has a full season, he has George Kittle, who's emerged on the scene big time, and gets Antonio Brown, plus a full season of Jarek McKinnon and an all-pro fullback with Kyle Juszczyk, all under Kyle Shanahan's watch, that San Fran could be pretty good next year. And then you've got the Rams, who are going to get real hard by free agency, especially on defense here in the next two years. They are going to have LaMarcus Joyner, Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib, uh, Aaron Donald signed an extension, but then Dante Fowler and Ndamukong Sue that are all going to be up for new contracts within the next one to two years. Those guys all have personalities, and they're all going to want to get paid. I could see things being a struggle for the Rams. I, I don't know that they're going to get a title if they don't win it this year. They'll be good for the next few years. I just don't know that they're going to be Super Bowl good if they don't get it done this year. Big time, correct, in all facets right there. And that goes back to our very first conversation we had this afternoon. How does New England get it done, Tanner Hoops? (laughs) How do they win every single year and avoid the free agent fiasco and everything else that goes with sustaining the winning level that they've had in the NFL? Unbelievable. Well, it helps that they get a play in the division where they get four to six wins right off the bat every year. What point well taken once again you trumped me. <laughs> uh, I don't I wouldn't say that. You led me into that. Well, you know, I, I just um I, I love the NFL. I mean, every sixteen days out of the year, you know, how many of us just break away from whatever we're doing and we watch our favorite team, whoever that team is. And oh by the way, before we wrap up, Tanner, I gotta hope the team up in the UP is treating you well because you're an awesome guy. I'm so happy for you. I'm glad you get to see this part of the country that you're living in, the beautiful part that it is. And I hope you're having a ton of fun because this is, this has been a lot of fun for me. And I hope I'm not boring your listeners here this afternoon because I'm really enjoying it, getting a chance to talk some sports with you. And don't forget, be cheering on Derek Rose this year, man. 
what yes. a back year for that guy. And he's like the Andrew Luck of the NBA. And how about Andrew Luck? Oh, yeah, he was on my fantasy football team, too, this year. That's why I won it this year. But, yeah, and I'm happy for Andrew Luck. I mean, how tough is it when you have to sit out a season, much less a game or two because of injury, and sit there and watch? Mm-hmm. Watch your team when you want to be out there and play. And, man, his health was, you know, I mean, career-threatening possibility that he might not be able to throw. How about uh, – Cam Newton, is he going to be able to throw the football again? Mm-hmm. You never know. Yeah, they're not ruling out off-season surgery for him, but you think about a guy like him and what he means to the Carolina Panthers. I mean, they've got Christian McCaffrey and they've got Cam Newton. That wasn't enough because they took an absolute collapse toward the end of the season last year. Yeah, and McCaffrey, I'm happy for him. Boy, did he show that he's an NFL football player. What a running back. What versatility. And, and again, I mean, it's tough to win on Sunday. Yeah, you bet. Let's switch over to the NBA, to the NHL just briefly here before we have to sign off. Uh, Your Wild made a trade last week that I don't know if they got better in. I mean, Nino is such a quality NHL talent. They get rid of him and pick up Victor Rask from Carolina. Bums me out big time. Love him. He was a great hockey player. Strong. Score. Pass. Do it all. Not sure what's going on with the Wild. Don't have much to say right now. However, in the West, I mean, I looked at the standings today. They're the sixth best team right now mm-hmm. in a in a very level Western Conference. For whatever reason, nobody really seems to want to take that Western Conference by storm. Everyone was high on Winnipeg. They were high on Nashville. I don't think anybody saw Chicago had the bottom fallout on them two years in a row. But then the Calgary Flames, another team that just kind of came out of nowhere this year. Yeah, playing some really good hockey. I saw them play just a couple weeks ago. Uh, My spare time, I try and watch as much hockey as I can, Uh, more so than the NBA although I love my NBA basketball, and go Toronto because now this year in the NBA, think about it, you have the East where the Raptors in Milwaukee are going at it, one-two punch, top of the league. And Toronto, of course, near and dear to our heart in Iowa. Yes. Because Nick Nurse, the head coach from Carroll, assistant Nate Bjorkren from right here in Storm Lake, Iowa. And then what's great about the NBA this year is they're getting close to the All-Star break. Let's look at the West. Golden State's not running away with it. They don't have you know they actually have double digit losses at this time unbelievable so it might be a little more fun come playoff time maybe not you have mr cousins in uniform real soon for the warriors and man that clay thompson it's his first 10 threes that's like tanner hoops back in the ninth grade oh stop Oh, an oh, NBA man. record last night for Clay. Knocked down yeah. his first 10 three-pointers. How about yeah. my Celtics? Are they ever going to figure things out? That's a great question, isn't it? I mean, know, they've I got the talent there. The other night, and I'm just, it's a head-scratcher on why this team doesn't have a better record. But uh, the kid from Butler, what's his name again? Gordon Hayward? Gordon Hayward. Man, is he playing some ball this year, and good for him, too, coming off that horrific injury last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was tough to see that, but really good to see that he's starting to find his way back. And They've got the talent there. They've got one of the most elite coaches in the NBA at such a young age. I really think that they can make a run here in the second half. I just, I'm hoping that's not wishful thinking. Hey, and b- before we have to wrap up here, how about Michigan? The Wolverines mm-hmm. lost for the first time at the Kohl Center. We have... Michigan State, they're coming to Iowa City on Thursday night, Tanner. 
Watch out, Sparty and Izzo. Oh, man, they are, you know, and a lot of people love Izzo because he grew up a little over an hour from here in Marquette. So Izzo, a very popular guy up here, actually went to college at Northern Michigan University here in town, and he's done a lot for this area. They won their 20th straight Big Ten game last night when they beat Maryland, the 13th-ranked team in the country. Ties them for the fifth all-time streak of Big Ten wins. Wow. I mean, that that's saying something. A league is competitive as the Big Ten, where you can win on the road during that 20-game stretch. You know, there's uh, several road games in there mixed in, and when you can get it done away from home and you uh, you protect your home court, you're going to have a great season, and I can't wait till March Madness. Maybe we can talk again come March. Hey, we're going to have you on again here soon because this has been a lot of fun. You know I could go on all day, but unfortunately we're out of time. Uh, Chris, I had so much fun, and again, there are very few people, my family, that's about it, that I owe my career more to than you. So I appreciate everything you've done. I appreciate you taking the time and be on, on, on air. My pleasure, my man. And don't forget, I just gave you the first step opportunity. You're going to take it the rest of the way. We'll talk soon. Have a great night and uh, have a good one, all right? Yep, back at you. That's it for us here on the Sports Pen. We've got your weekly message from the Michigan High School Athletic Association and the Will Kane Show after this. Thanks for tuning in the Sports Pen on ESPN UPWZAM, Ishpeming Marquette. Tower of Power, proper equipment, and don't make it personal. It's all next on This Week in High School Sports, powered by Michigan Student Aid, Michigan's go-to resource for student financial aid. Hi again, everyone. I'm John Johnson, and welcome to This Week in High School Sports. A team you see among the best annually on the wrestling mat is Warren Woods Tower, which is off to another impressive start this season. The Titans captured the title at the prestigious Macomb County Invitational last month for the first time since 1985 and did it with a total team effort. We had some guys with some, you know, just had some really great performances. We had a couple kids that were unseated that place. We had a couple kids upset some kids and pretty much everybody out wrestled where they were seated. They did better than... Well, I guess what the county would have expected, and I think that's good. Coach Greg Mayer's team has also knocked off highly ranked squads from Goodrich and Eaton Rapids at their own Titan duels earlier in December and finished second recently to a top 10 team in Division One, Holt, at their own Clash of Champions. The Titans, ranked fourth in Division Two, are paced by two-time finalist Chase Mayer, Greg's nephew, at 130 pounds, and another finalist from last year's finals at Ford Field, Joel Redvinsky at 285. You can read more about Warren Woods Tower Wrestling on the second half page of the MHSAA website. Our MHSAA TV game balls this week go out to Ottawa Lake Whiteford's Bailey Baldwin, who scored 24 points and went over the 1,000 career point mark in a girls' basketball victory over Petersburg Summerfield last week. And Nolan Finkbeiner made eight three-pointers, scoring 32 points to lead Hemlock to a 60-51 upset over previously undefeated Sanford Meridian in boys' basketball action. You can watch that Hemlock Sanford Meridian game now for free on MHSAA TV. Back with more in a moment, you're listening to This Week in High School Sports. Do you need money for college? Michigan Student Aid is Michigan's go-to resource for student financial aid. They administer scholarships, grants, college savings programs, and other resources that help make college accessible, affordable, and achievable for you. See how they can help you today by visiting michigan.gov slash mystudentaid and connect with Michigan Student Aid on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram.
Our weekly Be the Referee feature dives into the fine art of officiating with Brent Rice. A number of sports require certain equipment to be worn and to be worn unaltered. In ice hockey, one such piece of equipment is the neck guard. This is something that's not very well understood. And it's not just that some players try to either not wear the neck guard or alter it, resulting in a team warning if caught, but that upwards of half of the neck guards on the ice on any given night of high school play are actually altered. Common alterations are putting tape around the guards, removing padding, and wearing the donut style way below the collarbone. Coaches, officials, players, parents, and administrators have to treat the risk management issue more seriously than they are now to make the game as safe as it possibly can be. Thanks, Brent. You can be a referee. Go to the MHSA website now to register. Regular listeners here know we will always talk about the need for officials and for good sportsmanship. You simply can't have too many or too much of either. Brent Rice, who you just heard on Be the Referee, has a weekly column on the second half page of the MHSA website called The Official View. And I'd like to excerpt from a recent writing on poor sportsmanship and the official. Brent writes, As long as there have been officials, there has been dissatisfaction with officials by players and coaches. And it's not that instances of poor sportsmanship are becoming more frequent, it's that these instances are becoming more personal. The great Major League Baseball veteran umpire Harry Wendelstedt regularly used to say, you may yell at the uniform, but you can't yell at me. His point recognizes that not everyone will agree with the calls officials make, but that criticism and disapproval should be directed about the call and not about the person. When an insult includes the use of the words you or your, it personalizes the attack, and almost anything that follows those words in a disparaging manner almost should result in a disqualification. While the onus of ensuring good sportsmanship is primarily the responsibility of school administrators, coaches, and players, the official also plays a significant role by enforcing behavior and conduct rules through penalization. We're looking for help from coaches, players, and spectators in showing respect and appreciation for the hardworking women and men who officiate MHSA contests by keeping criticisms brief and absent of personal attacks. Thanks, Brent. You've been listening to This Week in High School Sports, powered by Michigan Student Aid, a production of the MHSA Network. Thanks for joining us, everyone. I'm John Johnson. We'll see you next time.